we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural and the following is an interview that I did with Madeline Rudy and Marilyn Wizard from the radio show Life in the Hologram that's on kcoreradio.com. It was a great show. We spoke about a lot of interesting things, of course, having to do with the paranormal. Of course, having to do with I was with them and I joined and one of those things I I liked their approach. They had a scientific approach before assuming it was a supernatural thing. So I worked both ends. I've worked from the scientific investigation part of it. I did a lot of pre-interviews. I would also do the follow-up, which was the actual investigation, if there was paranormal going on. Uh, I also, uh, I was reliable. And I hate to say this, but people don't realize that in, you know, first of all, professional, because you're going into somebody's health and you're representing, even if it's a foundation, I was reliable, uh, and I was, you know, I'm bilingual, and also I was willing to travel a little bit if I could, if it was a couple of hours drive, so I, I was really good at filling in at the last minute if they had some member that had an emergency or couldn't make it, uh, I, would, I was willing to travel. So I've been there for a really long time, and I've worked with a lot of different groups. That, that was one thing I want to say about this foundation, sometimes it was they would even bring in other groups to work. So I got to know a lot of different groups. Some of them are still active, some of them are not. And again, you get known in the paranormal, what I call hardcore investigators, okay? that There's mm -hmm. very few hardcore investigators that have been around for a while that despite what people think have a higher standard as far as, um, accepting that something is truly paranormal. How's that? Uh, yeah. And, and I want to, and I can say I, I was working in this field before the advent of so many gadgets that they have now, you know, mm -hmm. that they have uh, so many things. And even back then we still caught a lot of, I mean, you know, before I want to say there was photography, maybe face readings on temperature, uh, you had EMF meters, which you have to be really careful with. Uh, that's why I'll tell you what, uh, people ask me, what's one of my best things that I work with? And I want to say my dousing rods are, sometimes they can be slow, depending. Uh, but I want to say dousing rods are one of my best how can I, methods of communications or sometimes finding out if they've got portals. Mm -hmm. And mine are very basic. I have very basic dowsing rods that I've had. These I've had them for like 15 years. So, and, and like all of these, um, <clears throat> all instruments that you work in this field with, they, be, they become attuned to you as far as how well they work with you. Uh, so, so I, in other words, I learned how to ghost hunt basic. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah, I've worked with a lot of investigations and teams where they have multiple cameras all the gadgets, all the things to, you know, for readings. I've had, I've worked all of that. Uh, and so I've, I've seen that field grow. And the only thing I could say is I'm glad because it's made it more mainstream and people are more willing to talk about their experiences. Like I tell them, I, you know, I come from ghost hunting when the last thing a person wanted was a bunch of people to drive up in a van and a bunch of, you know, spill out into the front lawn 
Yeah. And have their neighbors go, oh, what's going on? You know, it was like very, you had to be very discreet. Yes. They, hold, hold that. You were asking me about the hospital. I, I the only um, hospital per se, I mean, that I've gone to is the Trans Allegheny, which of course was an asylum, which is a hospital. It's a hospital, mm -hmm. but it's just for, I've been to, to, to uh, Trans Allegheny, which this is the thing, absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, whenever you go to it, whether it's these prisons or these uh, asylums, I don't have to investigate them. I know that they're going to be haunted just because there's a lot of people here that lived their entire lives there. This to mm -hmm. them was home. And, you know, because a lot of people always think of it as home, they were horribly treated, which in some cases, some of the practices they had were, were, were bad. And, you know, again, it was because, you know, this was before the advent of certain drugs. So the ways mm -hmm. that they controlled their patients was horrid when we look at it. But besides that, people don't realize that there was people that, that they weren't really violent, but because of some type of mental disease they had, they lived their entire lives there. This was their home to them. Yeah. So the same way people haunt the house because that's where they lived, these people... Uh, stay behind because this is what they knew as home, you know, whether it was the structure or the, you know, that they have a certain routine that they have to follow. Um, mm -hmm. This is, you know, that's, you know, but yeah, I went to Trans Allegheny, which was very interesting. Obviously, it's very haunted. And I looked at some of the case studies of the, some of the patients that they had uh, that lived there for many years. And that was like a sampling. So, like I said, most hospitals uh, and even modern hospitals, I tell people hospitals, you know, regular are hotbeds of hauntings. And because you have a lot of people in hospitals that sometimes pass away and they are unaware that they passed away. Mm -hmm. They could be heavily medicated, sedation, you know, sedated. They could pass while they were uh, being operated. They might have come in from some traumatic accident and they never regain consciousness and the they missed the transition part into the death state so uh hospitals are very very just you know because everybody thinks of funeral homes and cemeteries sometimes but hospitals mm -hmm. absolutely hospitals are gonna have, are gonna have a, a lot of of paranormal activity and, uh... Yeah, I would say so. I worked in a hospital. Oh, there you go. And yeah. uh, my office was down from, like, it was on the fifth floor. So you got off the elevator and I had to make a left and another left. But this one room at the end yes. of the floor, mm -hmm. everybody died in that room. Man, that was the, I call it the one-way room. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You went in, but you went out in a body bag. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it weird how some rooms develop certain uh, uh, reputations? Yeah. yeah. And I've, um, I mean, I have a cousin of mine who she was immersed for like 40 something years and she's told me stories and I've had other people come up to me and tell me, especially people who work, I guess it's because it's just more noticeable work like the overnight Mm -hmm. shift where things quiet down uh they'll tell talk about seeing dark shadows or seeing certain things going into certain rooms and sure enough this person uh will pass away and of course this is more common you know in either the icu or mm -hmm. the wings where they have people that are terminally ill uh i had one gentleman tell me one time he that one time they heard a woman scream but like they were killing her like a, like, like a high-pitched scream. And it was him and another nurse at the nurse's station. And they looked at each other like you heard, like, you know, when people look at each other. Mm -hmm. And they knew he had already checked on the patients on that floor. And he went and he checked. And all the patients were fine. Uh, they couldn't account for it. And he says it was so clear that it was like this person was somewhere on that floor. It wasn't like something that happened somewhere else and they heard it like a muffled. It was a very clear woman screamed hard, like in pain, terror, yeah, that kind. And he just said he came back down and sat down next to the other nurse because she told him, you, you go look, why don't you check, you know, of course. I'll stay here, you know, make sure, you know. 
and uh, he says that yeah, that that happens on and off, and um, and like exactly like what you said about that room. Uh, I heard about another room where the nurses they they would leave. There was this one bed. You know how some of these rooms have two beds, mm-hmm. and you know they have the curtain that you know divides up for like a privacy curtain between one bed and the other. And they said there was this one bed that was next to the window, which this would be like the last bed that they would assign somebody to because always funky things. They would see movement. Like if the curtain was drawn around the bed, they would see movement of the curtain when there was nobody in the bed. And uh, it wasn't so much where it was like what you described. This is the bed where everybody dies. Mm-hmm. It was because the nurses felt really weird going in there. And even when they were attending to a patient in the bed right next to it, they would hear like, you know, like really weird noises or the ner- or, you know, the flutter of that curtain. So it was like that room. And then if you had to give that room out, you would use the, the bed closest to the door. And then the last one of course, would be that bed that they would assign to somebody. Would you say, though, like, let's say somebody in the ICU and they had them, like, in an, in an induced coma or maybe they were just in a coma, mm-hmm. that if there was some spirit that was marching around and decided, oh, look, here's something. I can get into this body here. <laughs> you know, I... I'm going to say see what happens. this is, I hate to say this, but people don't realize that this is when an attachment can happen. And mm-hmm. let me explain. Usually if your aura is intact or in good shape, you know, you, even if you have a discarnate, like exactly like what you described, mm-hmm. somebody that died and they either see somebody that they reminds them of their sister or something, whatever, or even mm-hmm. like attract light, who knows, whatever. Usually if your aura is intact, they could kind of try to, but they'll, it's like no, no, no way, no entry point. But the thing is that your aura will thin out from emotional and physical trauma. Right. Okay. And so drugs. Another, oh, absolutely. Drugs without saying. And, but that's what I'm saying. Let's say you're not a person that normally does as engaged in risky behavior. By this, I mean drugs, heavy alcohol use. Mm-hmm. Something happens to you. You have a, a, a really bad accident, physical trauma. You're taken in there exactly like what you described. You're you're sedated because they put you in a coma for so you to recuperate. Yes, that does leave you vulnerable. It's not an absolute yes, but yes, that's why there's people that go into the hospital and then come out with an attachment. And then after they get well, you know, like they go to their doctor and whatever was wrong with them, they'll develop other symptoms and then they'll go back to their doctor and the doctor is like there's, you know, you check out okay, but they'll have certain pain, certain symptoms, and what it is is an attachment. And when I did my hypnotherapy practice, I had, I came across some attachments that, you know, when you start talking about the person as in, okay, when did you start experiencing this? You know, you kind of trace it back. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance, not all the time, but the point of origin was after they had gone to the hospital either for some type of surgery or they had had an accident, anything like that. And of course, this doesn't happen like overnight. You know, you have to think about, man, you know, you know, when you start tracing back, well, you know, when did I start feeling this? And that was a point. And then sometimes, you know, you do get, you were able to have a dialogue with that spirit. That's the attachment, mm-hmm. which by the way, once they become enmeshed at a certain level into your aura, they cannot get out. It's not like, oh, they got in and then they, sometimes they do want out. Other times they feel comfortable with this person, whatever attracted them to that person. Uh, I've had instances where I've had uh, nurses get attachments because, you know, for some reason their aura had thinned out and one of the discarnates I was walking around that maybe saw them as a very caring and nice person because they saw them going around in their duties. So they got an attachment just by being kind because sometimes that's the attraction. It could be as easy as that. Mm -hmm. Again, if your aura is intact, 
and you have a spirit, they'll try to influence you. Influence is very different. Influence is when you get like a thought that you're like, what is that? I, I mean, where did that come from? But that's as bad as it gets. You yourself recognize. And after a while, they just go on their way because, you know, like when you can't, you know, when you're trying to open a package and unless you can get like your little finger in there and pull, you know, you can't, they'll, they'll circle around and they just can't get into your aura and then they, off they go. But the problem comes in again when your aura is, has holes in it, has thinned out, which could be for a variety of reasons. Well, and couldn't that happen to you too? Like if you went into a crowd. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think people, uh, they don't keep themselves aware enough to mm -hmm. understand that this stuff is for real. <laughs> yes, happens. yes, yes, yes. They do. And people don't realize, like what you just said, the, let's say you go someplace crowded. I was going to say malls, but malls aren't crowded anymore. <laughs> Once upon no. a time, once upon a time you would go to the mall, anymore. it would be crowded, you know. <laughs> but well, nowadays, all they have mostly at malls is is theaters and uh, you know a movie theater and restaurants. But anyway, let's say any crowded venue. Same thing. Your ore is a little bit thin. Sometimes you have people, and I'm not talking here uh, discarnate. You have, you know, people sometimes carry negativity with them, and it can jump ship on you. It can jump onto you. Okay, negative vibes, anger, depression worry anxiety everybody thinks of negativity only as in when we're talking a, a ghost an attachment can be just negative energy that's why sometimes also depending on how sensitive you are or what's going on with you they'll come home and they'll be, be like totally drained like beyond okay you can get tired but drained physically mentally or they'll feel upset or angry and they're like what is going on why am i feeling like this and sometimes the source of it is exactly what you described, Madeline, which is they go someplace, they, it's crowded, you really don't know who you're brushing up against or standing next to for a while. And things like that can jump on you. And I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, but yes, it's as easy as that. Uh, and against, again, the problem is the, 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 how well is your aura doing? Is it keeping, because that's, that is part of the purpose of the aura is to keep our metaphysical body, um, things like that, from penetrating and affecting you deeply. Yeah, these are, you know, things that you have to be aware of. Yeah, yes, that's why I tell people, uh, I have people that are police officers, um, a good friend of mine, she's, as a matter of fact, she's set to retire i got her to the point where she carries a little smudge stick with her and she would smudge down her car like after at the end of the shift in herself before coming home uh because stuff like that again this might not have nothing to do with a discarnate as in a spirit attachment this just has to do with negativity because maybe the line of work that you're in mm -hmm. you know so something to keep in mind uh i i recommend doing it even at your home at least once a month uh, that you sage down your house. Uh, if, if you're moving into a new place, absolutely. I, I recommend, as a matter of fact, my last book that I wrote, Supernatural Safety, I tell everybody, I don't care if where you're moving into, if it looks all either brand new or just paint, freshly painted, you know, everything is clean and it looks wonderful. Before you bring anything, you need to sage it down and possibly salt the corners because you don't know let's let's take the uh ghost thing out of the out of the mix you don't mm -hmm. know what was going on in that household if there was dysfunction was there a lot of arguments you might even have people that there's certain sick rooms let's say somebody that was ill for a length of time and they they used a certain room for a length of time by this i don't mean like a, a the cold you know i'm not i'm not talking about regular sickness that i'm talking about a certain sick room that was in use um, like somebody that had cancer had cancer or, had some type of illness that after a while you know they send them home um i've even you know even people elderly really elderly people sometimes are suffering from dementia or you know uh, symptoms of alzheimer's and they they're given a certain room that that becomes woven in the fabric of that room and if you don't do that then the person occupying that room 
could experience some of the symptoms uh, physically of whoever was there before, which is why I recommend it. It doesn't necessarily have to be just because it's haunted. It might not be haunted mm-hmm. in the traditional sense of what we think of as haunted. Yeah, it's just like filled with, let's say, negativity or... Yeah, yes, living the the just the human condition. And again, this is not to make people paranoid because what I'm talking... I would do it regardless just to start off on a clean slate. I'm not talking about people having arguments. That's people argue, uh, people get sick. You know, that's I'm talking about something that's done over an extended period of time. There's very negative, toxic, dysfunction. When you move into a new place, unless you know who absolutely was there before, you really have no idea. And again, you might know somebody, but sometimes you don't know what's going on in their private lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's just to, for me as far as being a little bit cautious and a little bit of insurance. Yeah, because, I mean, when you say ghost and paranormal, that, you know, stretches a, a broad range of oh, things. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, it does. And you know, and I'm sure you've heard of residual hauntings, which is, you know, the, the haunting mm-hmm. where they say, okay, this is not an intelligent haunting. It's just like a loop, something that was done. You know, let's say you'll smell baking bread very early in the morning. Uh, or mm-hmm. certain steps, you know, like if it's an older house and people going up and down the stairs at certain times. And, and really, there's no intelligence. It's just like a loop, something that was done so many times. Well, it's just, it's kind of a version of a haunting. But uh, I want to say a residual haunting is even better than this type of haunting, which in a way is a haunting of the emotion, the human emotion. That's, again, why people will go to battlefields. And, you know, you have the haunting of sometimes the actual battle or soldiers that died there. Mm-hmm. And then you have the res- the feelings of the people that lived there uh, or died there, even though they might not be there, but their, their emotions imprinted. Can you imagine hundreds or sometimes thousands of people yeah, being shot at or shooting and or dying or seeing somebody next to them shot. I mean, that ground is so heavily imprinted with emotion. Well, it's a version of that on a smaller scale when you go into mm-hmm. certain houses or apartments. Again, you never know what's there. Better to be, you know, what's that saying? Safe than sorry. Yep. Well, I know I, I've been up to Gettysburg a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people were killed there yes and even when when you go in this one room it's like a 365 degree picture they pat on the wall and then they play all this music and whatever and the cannons and the guns are going i stood there and cried it's like oh my god get me out of here right yes (laughs) yes i've been to gettysburg a couple of times and when you go now it's very scenic with all these, you know, memorials and stuff. And of course the fields. And mm-hmm. I know that they have reenactment, mm-hmm. but, but when you look at that, you know, it, it's kind of like, it's sometimes people have a hard time thinking what, what happened here when people were shooting and trying to kill each other and it, everything was full of blood and, and yeah. cannon fire and, uh, people screaming because their leg got blown off. I mean, sometimes you have to think beyond what you're just seeing with a memorial. Yeah. Well, you, uh, there, some guy is in front of you with a gun and the gun and it's whoever shoots first is the one that's going to live unless another shot gets you from someplace else. Right. And Cause they didn't, I mean, unless they I'd have been behind a rock. <laughs> And that's the thing, my God, those musket balls. And you knew the medical care that you were going to get if, you know, sometimes if it wasn't the the bullet that got you, the musket ball, it was, and unfortunately, sometimes the medical care they had. mm, Wasn't, I mean, they just chopped your arm off. They like sawed it off. And that was just hoping to save you. Yeah. And yeah, because they were sending how many surgeons that they have sometimes out there. It, it, they weren't adequately staffed 
No, that was uh, Gettysburg. And I mean, some of those buildings in, I, I have a picture of the one place that I had lunch in, mm -hmm. and you can see like a, a shadow, a ghost in there. Well, absolutely, and there, there's a, there's a, a, there's a little, in other words, there's also, I think there's also stuff that goes on by the people that live there, because, you know, you always think of the war, but think about the people mm -hmm. that live there. Can you imagine living and in a battlefield once they, they left, uh, and you had bodies laying out there? Yeah. That must have been a horrible place to live. Think about it. You know, here you, because let's face it, like I tell them. Even now. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's still, every once in a while, they do find um, some type of, you know, they run across different type of uh, paraphernalia, stuff that's in the ground. and. Mm -hmm. But yeah, imagine living there if you lived in Gettysburg. And <clears throat> after those three days. What 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 it must have been like to live there? Yeah, that must well, it had to be horrible. Yes, yes. Um, and they didn't even know about post traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> no, it was back then. It was like what 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 you know, what the English what the Brits say stiff upper lip. It was like you roll with it. Yeah, stiff upper lip. Cool yes, there we got a print there. Was <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm Brit. <laughs> Just not cricket. <laughs> but yeah, that was that. Do you? That's it. how you handled it. It was like, oh, we don't have time for this. And, and and to be honest, back then also, anything having to do with mental health carried a lot of stigma with it. So the last thing you were going to admit to was that you were reliving, uh, you were, you know, you were having to run into a closet because you were reliving a wartime episode or something like that. You just like. Last thing you wanted to do was be sent to a sanitarium or an asylum. So, yeah, you dealt with it, in other words. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a lot of places like that, unfortunately, that we look at a present day, and as much as we want to envision it, it's kind of hard to see how terrible it must have been when those events were occurring. Yeah, politics of the time. Like, uh, well, it's it's some. Yeah, it's hard to envision say. as 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 an American having to have no, a no. war on your back on your on your front doorstep. Marlene, <laughs> how, how me, do Marlene. our listeners get to buy your books and? Well, their best watch bet your movies. Is, <laughs> you can go to marlenepardo.com or miamigoeschronicles.com as far as uh. You can buy the books. You also have links to everything else. I'm on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon. But if you want to see, you know, what's out there as far as the podcast or anything of that nature, uh, MiamiGhostChronicles.com or MarlenePardo.com. And as a matter of fact, I'm about to release my first no fiction book because I've put out three nonfiction books, uh, which I'm planning to make into a series. And that's about... That's that's about to be released, uh, at least on the Kindle version, and then maybe in about two weeks the print version, um, which is like uh, I want to say uh, horror fantasy fiction book. I don't know whether to put in the horror or the dark fantasy or the supernatural category, kind of that kind of mix. That's that's the subject on on the book that's about to come out, which is titled Walker Between the Worlds book one of the civil chronicles uh but again anything else those are the two websites or if you go to amazon you can visit my author's page at marlene pardo pelliser i have an author's page also on amazon mm, sounds interesting huh okay <laughs> i hope, book I'm sound, hope. <laughs> the book sounds interesting yeah well the thing is it's 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 i mean I've always been interested in writing, but again, there's a there's a difference between writing nonfiction when we're talking here purely research and facts, or you know, or if you're just putting in your input as far as your knowledge is concerned, versus going into the fiction realm, especially something that we're talking here, uh, you know, 
let your imagination loose as far as the subject matter and to come up with ideas and characters. Yeah, that there's a big difference. So, uh, what, or sometimes people think, oh, well, I've got this great idea for this book or this story. And then when it comes to putting it and getting it from the head out through mm -hmm. your fingers and then uh, that, that's hard. Writing is hard, but I, I think that writing fiction is harder than writing nonfiction. Absolutely. Well, yeah, because you have to get if you have, I guess, less characters is more is better. <laughs> well, it's 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 just to make it, you characters. know, it's like what what, you know, make it the dialogue, you know, the, you know, that stuff called grammar, punctuation, mm -hmm. things yeah. like that. That is also it's like, oh, yeah, this is the way I want to say it. But then when you put it on paper, it's like, wow, that's that doesn't sound right when you read it back to yourself. So. Yeah, you have like a learning curve there as far as, or you don't know as much grammar as you thought you did, <laughs> because it's like, oh, so that's what they mean by the conjunction when all that other stuff is like, oh my god, so, yeah, and and when you're at this point where I'm doing a lot of my self editing, I'm doing as far as, uh, you know, the spell check, and not not only the writing, I guess I'm doing also the behind the scenes. I have my son that he's doing some of the editing for me because he he's uh, got a master in fine arts as far as writing is concerned but still uh, I, I'm not being uh, I don't got a bunch of people behind me doing all that drudge work yeah I guess and you have to be a pretty good proofreader yes you because do. I even see in a lot of a, a lot of different books where there's some errors and I'm not even that good yes, of a proof yes yes people don't realize <laughs> how easily stuff slips by you you miss a little word like a two you know two letter word like uh -huh. if of or your punctuation's off or something is missed it, it could slip by very very easily that's why you really that that takes a lot of it's drudge work it's drudgery because you have to be very concise you're reading it not for the read part but for the checking part and it can be very tiresome but hey love of your craft so that's, yeah that's when you really know do i really love it that's this is that this is when you really find out as far as being a writer if you really love your craft well now the hypnosis did mm -hmm. that help you at all with some of these different things that you did hypnosis people um, you know, I had a lot of people that come to me, of course, for regular stuff, the, the mm -hmm. stop smoking, uh, you know, they had weight issues, a lot of things. And then I did also alternative areas of hypnosis, which was spiritual attachment, uh, age regression, past life regression. Uh, I did some work with, uh, you know, abductees, you know, had, uh, you have, you know, extra contact with extraterrestrials, things of that nature. Uh, but I will tell everybody hypnosis. The best thing about hypnosis is relaxation, stress relief. Um, I, <clears throat> a lot of my clients, I would give them like a very short, uh, MP3 file for them to listen, just to relax, relax. And a lot of them would tell me, you know, I keep on using it. I go to sleep with your recording because people don't realize that because of our lifestyle, we get into we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. By this, I'm not saying somebody that's anxious. This is just regular everybody. We get sometimes between either our lifestyle or stuff that comes up, our work demands. 
we get anxious and just the fact if you can de-stress bring down your stress levels everything else becomes so much better we don't realize how much even minimal stress that we carry uh, in our subconscious mind affects us affects the quality of our life so I tell everybody hypnosis just to de-stress that right there is it, it, it people uh, should do it uh, once a week if they could do it every day I urge them sometimes even you know you know a lot of you know that you've heard about people doing affirmations the best mm -hmm. time to do an affirmation is before you go to sleep. This is when your the filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind will drop, and when you welcome and are willing to change for new ideas or affirmations that you're doing. I know a lot of people do it when they wake up, which is fine, but as far as it becoming accepted into your subconscious mind, it's that period right before you're falling off to sleep. Uh, and of course, you relax. Um, and the quality of your sleep also is much better. It will allow you to go down into REM sleep, which is very, very important as far as resting your mind and having, this is when your subconscious talks to you when you're in REM. That sometimes, if you remember, not everybody remembers the dreams. This is when you have those really wild dreams with weird animals, weird people, weird circumstances, places that you're like, what is this? that is your subconscious talking to you your subconscious talks to you in symbols uh, and you you achieve that when you drop down into REM into the REM level uh, and as a matter of fact when I would hypnotize my clients that's one of my suggestions to them was that they would fall off to deep sleep and go into REM level sleep because this is what would allow them to clear out uh, what they were doing during the daytime all the running around and just either you know either throw it away you know st stuff that didn't matter and would give you a clear mindset when you woke up in the morning to ready to take on the day so yeah stress relief is very important and hypnosis is very good for that as as far as every day we use it I guess is what I'm saying yeah, and, the, and you got to straighten out your, your mind and your thoughts. <laughs> well, we, we, we are so inundated. In modern times, we get so inundated with messages constantly, constantly, whether we're listening to the radio, the TV, uh, multitasking, <laughs> because we're trying to do 100 things at once. You know, our, our phones uh, tell everybody, you know, nowadays you're supposed to be instantly available to whoever's calling you, even family members. You, they call you and you don't answer. And the next thing you do is you get a text message like, why didn't you answer the phone? I was calling you. All those things contribute to, a, and by this I don't mean there's a problem, but the anxiety that on demand that you're supposed to always be there. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's not even go into the job. You know, now... Uh, you know they they you can you're supposed to be instantly available even if you're on the road uh that that builds up as far as all the stuff that we get thrown at us and there's there has to be a point where you totally de-stress and put that away because if not it kind of builds if you don't do that then the next day you've got you're carrying you're dragging stuff from all your prior days which is, of course, and I'm sure you've heard of it, those people that have tried to do that, that not too intelligent, you know, go without sleep. How long can I go without sleeping? And then some of them have been affected permanently. Their brain is altered. Uh, again, it's just not the sleep part. It's the quality of your sleep, relaxation, REM sleep. All of that's very important. Yeah, because you can be sleeping, but you're yes. not sleeping. Oh, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I, and, and I tell everybody, I remember when I was a teenager, you could basically run a locomotive through my room and I would wake <laughs> up. I remember my mom on purpose would start vacuuming <laughs> outside my room, you know, and I knew this was her trying to get me up. Uh, once you had kids, forget it. That I, I don't think I've ever slept the same before because, I, you know, you, be, you become like a hyper, you, you know, you, you, you want to listen and... Um, and but but again we there's got to be an in-between which is the I listen to every noise versus I'm dead to the world 
and that's why. And, and again, some people are good four hours of sleep, and they're good to go as long as those four yeah. hours were were deep. They're good. And then you've got the people that need the ten hours or the twelve or the eight. Um, everything. It's just that whatever it is that you need, it's good. That's what's important. That whatever amount of time you put into your sleep, you let your your body totally relax and your mind follows and clears out and your subconscious mind clears out and again then we come you know like i said if you're you're working on any affirmations especially life-changing affirmations people don't realize that we by our nature are very resistant to change and usually our subconscious regardless of your conscious mind thinks it's a great idea whatever the affirmation might be our subconscious mind will fight it even though it might be a beneficial change because we strive to stay in our comfort zone which is what we know even that's why you you know and this has happened to myself you're resistant to uh, going to the gym, to walking, to losing weight, to changing your diet. We sometimes are resistant to changing jobs. People sometimes will stay in positions or in companies, uh, even if they maybe know I could make more money or I'm worth more money, because they are afraid of the change. And they talk themselves out of it. And I say this, when you start doing something, or, or, or you know, you know when you go into a new job or you go someplace new that you don't know anybody and you have this feeling of discomfort, like mm -hmm. i want to go back home that's okay that's good because you're basically pushing against your no your discomfort zone and then guess what you stay there and one week goes by two weeks go by three weeks go by before you know it but a lot of people run out or don't even want to feel that feeling of discomfort because they're they don't want to they're afraid of what is the unknown and your subconscious by the way will sabotage you in the sneakiest ways to keep you in that circle of what is comfortable and known and sometimes very bad for you depending on what it is that we're talking about yeah so that's for sure yes we are creatures of habit more than people more profoundly than people realize yeah that's for sure isn't it when you watch people, what their daily routine is. Yes. And don't get me wrong. We Stability is good for human beings. That There's nothing wrong with it. It's when we need to make beneficial changes that it becomes a problem. Mm. Yeah, because sometimes we don't want to change. Oh, no. Or sometimes um, we do want to change. We do want to change. But we are subconscious is going, no. Nah. No, no, no. Not today. <laughs> not today. Not tomorrow. <laughs> not the day after either. You're going to stay right where you are. Uh, we know what this that, is about. And yeah. Marlene, hold give your information again about your books and things so our listeners, uh, and you have a lot of different uh, documentaries, don't you, on Netflix and right well you were I mean, on the travel channel and all of that kind of stuff yeah uh i mean they can go to miamigoschronicles.com or marlenepardo.com if they want information on any of the shows or my books but uh back in oh, I got, 2017 i was in season one episode one a paranormal survivor this is for a vehicle which by the way we still have which is uh the the the, the which was haunted objects but it was a muscle car that my husband bought uh, uh, 1980s uh, uh, IROC Camaro, one of those muscle cars, and turned out to have a very bad attachment. We still have a car, and that's that. That's what that. And then on um, this other show that uh, just aired a few months ago, which is uh, season one of Haunted Hospitals, because I, I was an investigator for the state, and it features one of the stories that I did. Uh, an experience I had as an investigator for um, because I used to work the the weekend <laughs> and we had a which by the way when you work in investigations the, nobody works on the weekends as far as uh, all the periphery that has to do with either the courts or anything like that and um, we would have also we would take turns being on call. This would be for either very serious cases that 
couldn't wait till like seven in the morning the following day when we would come back on for regular cases. So we would have a rotating wheel as like, okay, you're on call, which is something that came in after 11 p.m. So this is an experience I had uh, for a child death uh, when I, I was doing the investigative work. And um, it, was, it, was very, it was very unusual. I mean, I had a lot of experiences during the time that I did it. Uh, and again, like a lot of, in, because, you know, sometimes we see a lot of these shows are people purposely looking to have the encounter with a ghost or some, something. And sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it's when you are not looking for it that things happen. And um, as a matter of fact, you don't want it to happen. And that, that's exactly. That's uh, that that show that that last one came out from Haunted Hospital that deals with that event about an experience I had uh, during that investigation that case. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yes. And it was it was a very. And it's really funny because towards the end of the show, you know, that episode, you know, that portion they asked me, did you put that in your report? And I said, absolutely not. You couldn't. You couldn't put that because, of course, your your investigation is going, it's part of a case. Uh, you could go, it's forensic evidence. You might need to go to court on it. You could never put that on there because that's it. Your credibility is shot. <laughs> and uh, I hate to say it, this is the truth. You'll have judges looking, you know, after a while, you have judges and certain attorneys that work in that court system who know you and if you develop a good reputation that's good but the last thing you want to do is develop a reputation <laughs> for being that investigator so of course I wouldn't and I wouldn't taint uh, an investigation especially something along as serious as that with my own personal experiences so yeah then that and, and a lot of people out there in different areas of work uh, I'm, I know for a fact have had similar, not exactly that, but have experiences that you'll never see them documented because precisely because of that reason, because not only is it a career killer in some instances, it there, if your credibility is part of what you do for a living, you don't want to damage that in any way, shape or form. Uh, yeah, cause people will start to think you're nuts. Well, it's just. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, because part of investigations, if you're an investigator, you're supposed to be dealing strictly with facts, uh, with your observations, uh, if you're collecting information, data, whether it's interviews, uh, reports, paperwork, photography, whatever it entails, but it's fact-based. Uh, you're not supposed to put your opinions, much less like, hey, I think I'm having a paranormal experience <laughs> that, that, that doesn't work doesn't work believe me doesn't work at all what's this what's the spookiest thing that ever happened to you as an investigator yeah um i had uh i want to say one time i was um i had gone to because i i worked when you when you get called out you could go to any hospital because you know emergency rooms are open 24 7 and uh, a lot of these places, you go in the daytime and they're perfectly normal looking. Go back out at, at 3 a.m. and everything changes. And I had to go to one of the main hospitals here in Miami, uh, which is a very large hospital. And how can I say it? I had what I thought was, I want to say the first time I it looked like a shadow person to me and my first impression was am, am I being followed because it's in this area of town where you have a lot of vagrants and people that wandering around it's, it doesn't matter to them it's two or three in the morning but I was used to that I didn't have a problem with it but first of all you start getting those weird feelings and my car's parked out there there's not that many vehicles because of course staff, hospital staff, they have a separate parking lot for their, for where they park at. And um, I was like, wow, I, I'm getting that, I'm getting looked at feeling. And then, you know, I see, you know, 
there's not that many cards, but there are some cards. I saw what looked like a shadow. And my first thing is, I'm getting followed. Because, you know, that hood that, that you know, a lot, a lot of people now wear that hood thing over, like, if they have a hoodie on, they'll wear the hood mm -hmm. on. So I didn't immediately jump to the conclusion of um, a shadow person. And then I was seeing it. All of a sudden, I'm seeing it like dark behind. Like I saw it behind one vehicle, and I'm like, okay. And all of a sudden, I see it, but closer. I'm thinking, okay, that's the first moment I had where there's no way that that was a human being. It could go from over by that car to over here by this car <laughs> with me not seeing anybody. So I went from being not kind of alarmed, not really, because I did that so often to, okay, this is, this thing is coming closer and this is not a regular live human being. And what's really funny is that happened to me on more than one occasion in the same parking lot of that hospital, which by the way, that hospital <clears throat> was a hospital which was one of the few that would welcome, like a, they would fly in traumas, really bad accidents would be taken there. Was, mm -hmm. So it had it usually, it would, it would see a fair share as a matter of fact, uh, um, and a part, a portion of it would also treat pe prisoners, people that were, you know, that were going to go to prison, or yeah, that they would be, they would take them there and check them out. So they had a lot of in and out as far as people are concerned. And I had that experience. I would always, if I, the few times I had it, it was always in the parking lot of that particular hospital. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, the feeling I got because it was a shadow being. It wasn't like, oh, it's scary, it's a shadow person. It's the feeling that came with it, which was a very dreadful feeling, a very negative. And and I don't mean that like, oh, um, scary, I'm scared. It was like dreadful as in negative, uh, that whatever was out there, and which when I thought about it later on, and it's, one of those things that it was like, you know, I need to get in my car and leave. Like I went to, I want to like, and I mean, that's exactly what I would do. I would zoom out of there uh, because of the feeling that I was getting of those encounters. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I've done a lot of investigations for the years of paranormal events. And I'm not going to say I don't get startled, but when my kids were teenagers, I would take them on a couple of my investigations and they would tease me because they would say, Mom, you know, people are running in the other direction and you're the one that's going, look, look, you know. <laughs> oh, did you see that? They would be like, Mom, we got to go. So what I'm saying is, even I have that first startle, I, if that's what I'm looking at. So for me to say I'm leaving, I got to leave, like now, is because I recognized I'm not going to stand here and, try to do an investigation on shadow people Be and, and again it's because there's a spiritual turbulence that sometimes surrounds some of these places just because the flow in and out of humanity uh is that it, it attracts that um and uh it, it it just you realize that this is not a wandering spirit of somebody uh, that happens to be just, you know, lost, like a human soul, I guess, your regular mm -hmm. dead person kind of thing. It's definitely um, something negative. And I didn't want to, like, have anything to do with it, uh, none, none whatsoever. Again, that's one of those things also. I, a lot of my investigations, sometimes I would go into parts of town that were questionable. I saw a lot of things dart in and around buildings that uh, were high crime areas, for lack of a better word. They were high crime areas. And I saw a lot of things. Um, I saw uh, dark shadows and things that I want to say that the shape of them were not entirely human, jump from balconies to one balcony mm -hmm. or jump and go, you know, behind a building. I've seen that. Um, and uh, the, the best way I could describe it is that we're talking here, non-human entities. And I'm not going to use the D word. I'm not going to go with the de demon thing, which I think is overused mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, overdone. 
But there's a lot of other things besides demons that are that is, exist. And I want to say, unfortunately, they are attracted again to places where there's crime going on, sometimes heavy drug use. The people that are live or wander in that area, they're up to stuff, you know, mental illness, or they're involved in crime and criminal activity. That 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 creates like I want to say like a vortex of spiritual turbulence that these creatures are attracted to, and I saw that a lot. I saw that a yeah. lot, especially like I said, because especially at nighttime, it's. I, and by this, I don't mean maybe those things were present in the daytime. It's just that they were more noticeable. Right. Well, uh, everything, the whole landscape changes yes. in the night. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, I've been in uh, apartment buildings where I've <clears throat> been sitting and interviewing somebody and I hear somebody coughing. And you know how some of these apartments buildings, they have really thin walls. like, And it's been like one of these like two 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 plate you know like a duplex like it's just on two units and i've made a comment um i've made you know like oh that person next door because they've been consistently coughing 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 and I, i've said boy your neighbor's got coming down with something and they'll tell they've told me no nobody lives next door <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i'm like what and then they look at me like, yeah, we hear it all the time, too. <laughs> and I, huh. I took it in stride thinking that it's their neighbor coughing a lot. Until I even made the comment, wow, that person sounds really sick. It looks like sounds like they're coming down with something. And then they look at me and they're like, no, that, that, there's nobody living. That, that, that place is empty. Hmm. Now, what was the first, first investigation you ever went on? As far as... For what? For for paranormal investigations? Right, right. God. Or ghost hunting, or. Let me think a minute. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I can't remember exactly the first one, but I remember we did one once, which was uh, as a matter of fact, I want to say it was close to where you used to live at, close to Delray. It was up there in that area, or Vero Beach. It was in that area, mm -hmm. and this was a lady. She lived her husband had it was her she lived in a house with her husband she had started experiencing some hauntings and she had lived for a few years in this house had not had any experiences her husband dropped dead of a of a heart attack he just dropped dead on the in their florida room what they call the florida room here in florida and he's mm -hmm. dead so like all things when something like that happens everybody wants to point the finger at the recently deceased person thinking that's the cause that's the origin i remember we went in there and what we picked up on was they had lived there for a few years but the house i want to say was maybe built like in the 1950s and it turned out that there was this one room opposite but at this point she was living by herself in the house there was this room that was opposite to where she slept in which was the master bedroom which is full of energy it turned out that what was in there was the ghost of a little boy that had been abused and this his sanctuary was his room there was some type of physical abuse going on with his child and he was still there and he had stayed there because his bedroom was like his sanctuary his place to be safe and it was something that we weren't prepared for like i said because every the usual suspect is the husband who died suddenly you know the the one that you always think that's the one that's going to be haunting he wasn't there mm -hmm. he was gone he was gone he was fine he, in other words he even though he might have dropped dead he was he not was there. out of here he was he was out of there it was the <laughs> child it was a, enough of this crap yeah and that's and, and i remember that's what's one of the ones that stuck out because again when you do paranormal investigations you cannot go always with the expected person or identity that you're thinking is going to be the one, the mm -hmm. obvious one. And if you're, you know, if you're an investigator, you always leave the door open. Yeah, you might have that one. I'm not saying not, but there's always a possibility that there is something else there that is keeping a low profile. And that was also part of that haunting that this child did kept 
as a spirit, as a ghost, kept a very low profile. It didn't want to leave. It, 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 the way it protected itself when that child was alive was almost like disappearing into their room. I don't want to, you know, I want to keep a low profile so that because it was an abuse that was happening from somebody that lived in that house with them. So this is the way it, it kept doing what it was doing in life, mm -hmm. which was to not be out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Uh, and that was one of the first that, that I did, um, that I can remember because I've, I've done a lot. I've done Madeline. I've got, I've done so many cases. Um, I'm sure. And sometimes it's people, I'm, I'm going to say that a lot of people also bring in because especially here in South Florida, they dabble and it's, and I'm going to say dabbling people dabble wherever you live, <laughs> but here in South Florida, they dabble in stuff that they shouldn't have. They've gone sometimes to some of these uh, Santeria or Voodoo. Just out of curiosity, you know, they go to, and they don't understand that in the practice of this, they use discarnates for divination purposes. And they will have a lot of discarnates sometimes hanging around. And they can pick stuff up uh, also, um, and, and in the sense of that they didn't move into the haunted house they went somewhere and picked something else and then the haunting they brought it home again also the thing with cemeteries here it's very easily find discarded ritual objects in cemeteries there's also something a phenomena people are not aware of which are called cemetery sentinels which are non-humans that's a that's a whole that's a big that's a big problem if you got if you run afoul of something like that uh these are beings that are attracted because there's a uh, an, a certain amount of mourning of anguish usually you'll get that as a cemetery starts growing so they can be the people they, they can be placed there they can be invoked and placed there but sometimes they're attracted after the cemetery gets x amount of burials and then there's just and it's an active cemetery in other words certain amount of burials certain amount of uh people going there either initially at the burial or when they come back to visit a grave. If you start, especially people that go in there, not the people that go in there to write, visit their loved ones, it's the people that go into cemeteries and they desecrate. They're asking for, uh, if there is a cemetery sentinel, I don't know how else to say it. They have no idea what they're letting themselves in for. Or they take things um, because this is not, if you get an attachment from a cemetery sentinel, this is not a question of, uh, because this is almost, I want to say, on the level of an elemental. Uh, this is not mm -hmm. a question of an exorcism. This is a question of breaking the ties between you and this thing. You can't really exorcise it. It's not trying to possess you in the sense of what we think of a possession. It's just that you, you're in its crosshairs and it's trying to punish you. And... Um, you gotta break. You gotta break the connection. And another, an elemental doesn't have a moral compass the way we, as humans, see it. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. It's not love. It's hate. It's not bargaining. It's just. It, so sometimes people have a hard time understanding what they're dealing with. It's breaking the connection. That's why I'm saying when people sometimes are going to cemeteries, if and I've done it myself for investigations. Uh, be besides, you know, what you might run into there, uh, I tell people, <clears throat> sometimes people will dispose, either they do rituals in the cemetery, or they will dispose of materials inside cemetery grounds. Because, you know, sometimes some type of rituals involves using cemetery dirt, or they're invoking or using a discarnate, and they leave it behind in the cemetery like so it won't follow them home so sometimes you will have spirits inside cemetery grounds that not necessarily were buried there or people i've i've gone to cemeteries and if you can't get into the cemetery ground you go around the periphery depending where it's at and you will find candles you know burnt out candles mm -hmm. stuff that's mm -hmm. been used and you might look at it and um i've seen Bibles that have been like 
that they, you could tell they were part of ritual use. And a lot of things in and around cemeteries, besides the regular old dead person that's buried there and just hasn't figured out they're dead or they're just stuck by their body trying to figure out like what happened. There's a lot of darker stuff that comes um, with what. Yeah, I, I was down in uh, Louisiana. Where is it that they have the Mardi Gras? Yeah, Louis, uh, New Orleans. Right, and they have cemetery tours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I don't know. That was I, a big mistake. <laughs> I haven't been to New Orleans, I want to say, since like nine, a long time ago. I want to say since like 1990. I haven't been to New Orleans. And I know that the cemeteries, uh, you know, they, they, you know, everything is above ground over there. And... I know that some graves, like Marie Laveau's and everything, you've got people, but I guarantee you that people go in there to do some stuff. I don't know how, I don't know if they're more careful now, you know, like lately, a lot of cemeteries mm -hmm. now, they, they don't let people in like after a certain time. Right. But historically, yeah, have cemeteries were known for, for the place to do certain rituals and uh, spell work and just My because. My Hare. Yes. My Birkin Hare in London used to take the bodies and sell them to surgeons for there you go Godiva. yes 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 Godiva explosions and people don't realize people well now it's more difficult but use uh body parts from a live person for necromancy uh yeah. it's not necessarily mm. you know you always think always always of like the medical like what you were talking about about Merlin, about the you know the the grave robbers as far as using the bodies for anatomy courses. Yeah. There's a even now there's a thriving um, trade with human body parts or humans because yeah. for dark ritual well, magic. On know. that point, Marlene, I have to cut you off because it's the end of the show. <laughs> so ah, it's okay. It went so quickly, and we really enjoyed your information on all these different ghost stories and things, and I'm sure our listeners have. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, Mer. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.